Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. It's just amazing what envy and pride will do. It's just crazy. They're so blinded to the fact that like they're the guilty party. Moses has, and he will throughout this chapter, intercede on behalf of them so that God doesn't kill them. And although God's going to kill some of them, Moses is a great leader. He is a great leader. Great leaders pray for problem people within their church. I don't care what church it is, there's going to be problematic people everywhere. What do you think of when somebody says the phrase, that guy was a great leader? In today's message, Pastor James says that Moses was a great leader. Great leaders don't shy down from adversity, but rather give it to God. Pastor James says that great leaders pray for those in the church that are problem people. When you see someone who could be a problem, do you pray for them or do you make fun of them? A good godly leader prays that God would change their hearts towards repentance. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 15 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. And that's just the stages of growth that we go through, right? And if we ever think that we're sin-free, then that means you're in heaven and you're in the presence of Jesus, okay? The work of the Holy Spirit is done. He has sanctified you and perfected you, right? And then there you go. Enjoy eternity. Go find Moses and hang out with him for a while. Now the sins of commission. Here's the flip side to this. But those who brazenly violate God's will, these are rebels, okay? brazenly, arrogantly defy God in his family. These are the children of Israel, okay? Now, we can talk about what that means and all that good stuff for salvation purposes and all that stuff, but these are, this is a message to his chosen people. If there are those within or who are within the group who are brazenly violating God's will, whether native-born Israelites or foreigners, they have blasphemed the Lord. They've spoken against him. They've spoken ill against God. By what? Through their actions. You don't have to say anything. It's through your actions. It's through our actions that we blaspheme God. Sometimes people think it's like, it's, oh, I said, I said that, that word, that, that cuss word, right? And that's a, no, it, you were blaspheming him long before that. It's, your, it's our actions is what is offensive to God. Probably more so than our words sometimes. These are, they're just blatantly, they're out there. It's just arrogance. It's probably don't even see the need for forgiveness. It says they must be cut off from the community. Whoa, there's an amputation. See, and there's, this is that funny dynamic of the church. Like we want to, we want to amputate the ones who need to be healed. And then for some reason, we want to hold on to the ones who are causing cancer. And it's like, whoa, no, no, that, those are the bad guys. And to be cut off doesn't mean forever removed. So Paul did this. You read through the New Testament, you see he's like, yeah, we kicked those dudes out of church. We had to kick some guys out of church. What? Why? Because they're bad. Because they were bad. Let them spend some time getting messed with by Satan, and they learn their lesson, and then come back to church. 
with a changed heart. Okay? So there's discipline that has to happen in the church. Unfortunately, we just like going after the weak. And the ones who need the healing, we're like, well, they won't give us too much pushback. But what I've discovered, the ones who are pretty strong-headed and like pretty influential and all that stuff, the ones we don't want to like, I don't want any confrontation with those guys, oftentimes they could be the bad guys. You're like, you need to address those guys. These other guys, well, they won't give any pushback, so let's just kick them out of church. It's crazy. But here's God saying like, yeah, kick them out of the community, (laughs) right? Let them wander the wilderness by themselves for a little bit and see if it changes their heart. He doesn't say they're forever kicked out. But they are booted out for a season, for sure. He says, since they've treated the Lord's word with contempt and deliberately disobeyed his commands, they must be completely cut off and suffer the punishment of their guilt or for their guilt. Like, kick them out and the Lord's going to deal with them. Now, here's an example of this. This is cool about the Bible. It tells us something, gives us a principle, and then oftentimes it'll back it up with an application kind of a thing. Here it has a story. One day, while the people of Israel, this is verse 32, were in the wilderness, they discovered a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. This is a sin of commission, because he already knows that on the Sabbath day, you're supposed to rest. So this is a guy who is blatantly disregarding the word of God and what has already been stated. And apparently, he is just pretty like, okay with it. Like, he's not trying to hide it, like picking up sticks, hiding them under his robe or anything, right? It's like... Dude, why are you grabbing sticks? Why are you picking up sticks? What are you, why are you breaking God's word? People found him doing this, took him before Moses, Aaron, and the rest of the community. They held him in custody because they, did not, they didn't know what to do with him. Then the Lord said to Moses, this man must be put to death. Please know that sentence came from God. It wasn't like Moses had a convo with Aaron and the community and was like, what should we do with this guy? I don't know. Let's just kill him, right? This came from God, who is like, he needs to be put to death. So if we have issues with this, please know, God alone knows the heart of man. So if God says that guy needs to be put to death, obviously the Lord knows something's going on. He knows more of the story than you or I ever will. And here is Moses and Aaron trusting in God and trusting in his way. And really setting a a pretty prime example I don't think everybody, anybody was ever picking up sticks on the Sabbath after this, right? They're like, well, I don't want to be like that guy, right? And sometimes that's just how lessons are learned. So the whole community must stone him outside the camp. So the community took the man outside the camp, stoned him to death, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Okay, lesson learned. I wrote a little side note. There's no provision for presumptuous sins in the law. Presumptuous, arrogant kind of sins. God did and does forgive these types of sins, so there can't be forgiveness for just flat-out rebellion. But we need to understand that that's like grace, the grace of God. Because in the law, there was no provision for that. It's like, no, dude, you die. Like, you die. There's no sacrifice to be made for you. You want to flat-out reject and rebel against God? Knowingly doing that, there's no sacrifice for you. New Testament, which is what's crazy about it, Easter's just an amazing thing is that Jesus is like, I died for all those sins, all those sins, even those ones that you had made and that maybe some of your loved ones are making too, that once were following Jesus and just flat out rebellion. Praise God for the grace of God, for his grace. And I would say that for myself. 
for myself, man. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Here's the thing, the last part of this. Verse 37. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey. That's the key. Remember and obey all the commands of the Lord. Instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves, don't listen to your heart. Oh, it's such a bad advice, right? Like, don't follow your heart. It's going to, it, yeah, this, the word of God continually tells us, don't follow your heart, your own desires. No, follow God, trust in his word, seek him out. May his will be done in your life, not your own, his will, not your own. The, the word of God continually tells us this. And yet here we are, the philosophy of the world today. is like, well, just listen to your heart. Just follow your heart. Like, no, I did that. It got me nowhere. It made me miserable. Actually, that was horrible advice. And I liked it because it let me kind of do whatever I wanted to do, only to come to an end of myself thinking like, this is horrible. This is, And then I give my life to Jesus, and I seek to do his will 25 years ago. And I'm like, I haven't had, I mean, there's nothing the world offered to me before Jesus that can even compete with what he has offered me. Even the worst days in following Jesus are far greater than my best days away from Jesus. So follow him. Yes, he gives you a new heart. Praise God for that. Follow the Lord. Trust in his word. That's, that's what you need. And if you need to put some tassels on your clothes, go for it. It's kind of weird, but just, you know, whatever. If you need it, then okay. Um, if you go to Israel, you'll see that some guys still abide by this. And, uh, and that's fine. It just serves as a reminder. Um, if you need reminders, that's, that's good because we all need reminders. Yours may look like a tassel or it may look like a, a sticky note on your bathroom mirror. So when you get up in the morning or before you go to bed, there's a verse reminding you of who you are in Christ. We all need reminders. Reminders are not bad. Tassels on the clothes, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Nowadays, in America, if you're walking around with tassels on your clothes, I, maybe you're starting a new trend. Um, if that's how you remember, then praise God. I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, you can work that out on craft day. Make yourself some tassels. The point of this for them was like when they see them, they would remember and obey. Remember and obey. Not just good enough to remember. Obedience. Obedience. It says the, the verse 40, the last Verse here, uh, 40 and 41, the tassels will help you to remember that you must obey all my commands and be holy to your God. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that I might be your God. I am the Lord, your God. There's a lot of repetition there. And he repeats it because he's like, I just really need you to get this. I'm your God. Ain't no other God delivered you from bondage. No other God. No other God set you free. No other God could. It was only God who used Moses and Aaron to deliver the people of Israel out of bondage and out of Egypt. He's like, I alone did that. I alone am worthy of your praise. Follow me. Follow me. So this cool instruction, great thing. Everybody's going to receive the word of God. Revival breaks out in the camp. 
And everybody's like, praise God for our leaders. Praise God for Moses, for Aaron. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> if you're like reading ahead, you're like, I don't think that's true. No, it's not true at all. It's not true at all. Because chapter 16 happens. And you have immediately following this rebellion. Wait, wait no, that, isn't that an, that's a sin of commission. Like we just learned that dude got stoned to death for sinning deliberately against God. And then you have a group of people who are all leaders, leaders who say, you know what? I think God's got this thing all wrong. God's messed up. He messed up. He messed up because he didn't pick me. He didn't put me in a place where I think he should put me. Oh, beware of envy. <laughs> beware of envy. Verse 1, 16. says, one, one day Korah, the son of uh, Izhar, the descendant of Kohath, the son of Levi, a descendant of Levi, one of the priests, conspired with Dathan and Ab- Abiram, Abiram, let's go with that one, uh, the sons of Elab, and on, son of Peleth, I don't, Old Testament names, um, they, that's, that's, my, that's my Achilles heel, from the tribe of Reuben. They, this group of leaders, incited a rebellion against Moses, along with 250 other leaders of the community, all prominent members of the assembly. I have that underlined and circled and highlighted in my Bible. These are the leaders. Because remember, God had told Moses, he instructed Moses, and then he used Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, to communicate to him, you can't carry this load by yourself. So you need to raise up leaders, you know, different guys. And these guys will, will rule over a thousand and some will rule over a hundred and, and all, but you're going to delegate this thing out. And then the Lord instituted the priestly system where descendants of Aaron from the tribe of Levi would serve in different capacities within the priesthood. Some would be high priests, but then others would serve in different roles within the temple. So God set all this stuff up and all these dudes had jobs serving at the tabernacle, but they weren't the guy. They weren't the man, right? So we would say. They weren't Aaron. And they got a problem with that. They got a problem with that. So they get through all their talking behind Moses and Aaron's back, which is how it always goes. They get them all together and say, hey, we don't agree with what Moses and Aaron are doing and how they're doing it, we have a better way. So what we're going to do is let's get all of us together, and we will force a change upon the leadership here. Sound familiar? Yeah, every church goes through this. Every church goes through this. Certainly not Calvary Galveston. Mm. If you only knew. Please know. This is the enemy. This is the enemy. This is not a move of the Spirit, at least not the Holy Spirit. Fallen Spirit, yes. Demonic Spirit, yeah. Yeah. Trying to get in there and just completely disrupt what the Lord has established. What the Lord set in place. It was God who called Moses to be the leader. It was God who called Aaron to be 
one of Moses' right-hand men. It was God who called her to be one of the other right-hand guys for Moses. It was God who instituted that and put that in place. God did not make any mistakes. And he certainly didn't need Korah's help in trying to figure out something. But when you got pride mixed in with envy and jealousy and all that stuff, uh, it's, it just, it's, it's sin and it leads to death. And that's just it. it. It's sin and it leads to death. I had this note, uh, successful leaders are often accused of exalting themselves. Also, often falsely accused of exalting themselves. We see that all the time. The pastor's got a big church. Oh, I, I bet that guy is probably not really walking with the Lord. You don't know that. We don't know that. We can't judge off of assumptions. Here's Moses. He's got the biggest church of anybody. He's got like several million people. And he, like, it's not to be envied at all. But he's the man. And so they accuse him of what? Self-exaltation. It says they united against Moses and Aaron. It says, this is what they say to them. You have gone too far. The whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord, and he is with us all, or with all of us. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? That's the accusation from them to Moses. You've gone too far, Moses. Well, what did I do? Like, what did he do? Yo, you've, you've crossed the line, Moses. He says, the community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord. He's with us, not with you. The Lord's anointing is with us. It's not with you. Whose face was glowing when he came down from the mountain all those times? Who was, who was building calves to sacrifice to? That was you guys. Yeah, and even Aaron was guilty of that. He was, he was conspired within that. Like, he helped out within that. I'm sorry, who's been chosen? <laughs> like, who's, who's out of line? Wait, who didn't want to go into the promised land? Because Moses certainly did. He was trusting in God's promises. Korah, sons of Korah, where were you guys at? Why weren't you speaking up for the two spies who said, yes, we trust God? Where were you guys at when the whole community was complaining about not having food, not having meat to eat? And Moses interceded on behalf of the community. Where were you guys all the times Moses was on his face pleading and interceding on behalf of you that God wouldn't kill you? I'm sorry, who's wrong and who's right? It's just amazing what envy and pride will do. It's just crazy. They're so blinded to the fact that like, they're the guilty party. Moses has, and he will throughout this chapter, intercede on behalf of them so that God doesn't kill them. And although God's going to kill some of them, Moses is a great leader. He is a great leader. Great leaders pray for problem people within their church. Because I don't care what church it is, there's going to be problematic people everywhere. The good ones, the good leaders, the ones who are still praying for those guys and not saying like, all right, Lord, just, just get them. Strike them down, right? That's a bad leader. Moses will lose his cool. He's not a perfect leader, but he is a good leader. It says verse 4, when Moses heard what they were saying, he fell down, he fell face down on the ground. This is a posture of prayer. Then he said to Korah and his followers, tomorrow morning, the Lord will show us who belongs to him and who is holy. The Lord will allow only those whom he selects to enter his own presence. 
Korah, by the way, know your role. Know your role. Because what he's saying to Korah right there is like, God didn't pick you to be the high priest. He picked you to do this other stuff. You need to know your role. And that's know like what God has called you to do and stay in that lane. Stay in that lane. Other people fulfilling their call for the Lord do not need you to step into their lane and correct them all the time. Okay, that's, that's frustrating to people who are trying to serve the Lord. When you have know-it-alls who are all around thinking like, look, I'm going to fix your problem. I don't want you to fix my problem. I'll take any advice you have. Any advice you have. Korah is not offering any advice. He's just saying, we can do it better than you, Moses. So you need to step out of the way. You need to get out of the way and let us take over. Moses is like, we'll settle this tomorrow. He's like, we're setting this tomorrow. Korah, you and all your followers must prepare your incense burners, light fires in them tomorrow, and burn incense before the Lord. Then we will see whom the Lord chooses as his holy one. You Levites are the ones who have gone too far. You've stepped out of your lane. You've overstepped your boundary. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Then Moses spoke to, again to Korah. Now listen, you Levi, does it seem insignificant to you that God of Israel has chosen you from all, among all the community of Israel to be near to him so you can serve the Lord's tabernacle and stand before him or before the people to minister to them? He's like, was that not enough? Like, God gave you a special gift and a special blessing. Why was that not good enough? Why, why have you followed your heart and your own desires? It's led you to this, this path where what God has actually set you aside to do is not good enough. He's like, man, you get to do what other people in the community don't get to do. Do you, have you forgotten that? Do you miss out on, you've missed out on that. Like, that's amazing. You're a Levite. You get to serve at the temple. You get to stand before the people. Like, why is that not good enough? And when greed has consumed our hearts, when envy has consumed our hearts, nothing is ever going to be good enough. Nothing will be. It says, Korah, he has already given this special ministry to you and your fellow Levites. Are you now demanding the priesthood as well? The Lord is the one... You and your followers are really revolting against. Moses was smart enough to understand that this isn't against me. This is against the Lord. Your issue is not with me. Your issue is, your issue is with God. Jesus would encourage his followers to be like, look, when they persecute you, it ain't you. It's me. It's me they're coming against. It's me they're coming against. He says, for who is, who is Aaron that you are complaining about him? He's like, why are you Aaron? Like, why are you guys coming after Aaron? Then Moses summoned Dathan and Abraham and the sons of Eli, but they replied, we refuse to come before you. <laughs> they're just like, they're like, we ain't having it, Moses. We don't listen to you anymore. Listen to what they say. This is their logic, their reasoning. Isn't it enough that you brought us out of Egypt, a land flowing with milk and honey? What? What? But then where's the... Where's the like little, little subnote, like also of slavery? Oh, it's not in there. Interesting. How we forget. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken, a radio broadcast ministry of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Pastor James Grizzle has been teaching through the book of Numbers. 
This is one of many messages found at breadforthebroken.com, so if you missed a portion of it today, we hope that you'll take the time to listen to it in its entirety. The website again is breadforthebroken.com. We understand that your minutes are precious to you, and you have other obligations to fulfill. So why not listen on the go through our Facebook live stream? Or better yet, if you're in Galveston, Texas, on business or vacation, why don't you stop in to see what we're all about? If you enjoy a laid-back feel, then this is the place for you. Come worship Jesus while spending time with other believers at one of our two services, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. We'd love to meet you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Do you ever feel like you want to be a part of something bigger, but you're unsure of how or what that is? Here at Bread for the Broken, we want to help everyone find hope and new life in Jesus Christ. So we're curious if you'd team up with us to reach as many as possible. On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a place for you to donate to this ministry. We simply ask that you pray about it and follow the Lord's leading, whatever that might be. Thanks again for spending part of your day with us today. Tune in again next time to spend time in God's Word with Pastor James Grizzle here on Bread for the Broken.